This podcast is brought to you by the Amateurs Fantasy Sports Network. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the NRL Fantasy Amateurs Preseason Team Review Podcast. It's Mark here with Rob again and uh, mate Ryan, he's been gone for a while now. Yeah, that's yeah. I won't say how long it's been since we last recorded, but yeah, he's been MIA for a, yeah an undisclosed amount of time. Multiple podcasts. <laughs> We're going to send out a search party. Uh, Mate, we're doing the Sharkies today. Uh, obviously, a uh, pretty uh, consolidated fantasy team, I think. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a few points of interest here to, to, to go through. And, um, yeah, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, uh, if nothing else, we'll have fun while we uh, dribble for 20 minutes and the uh, the listeners can just sit there and take it because they've got nothing better to do while they're driving <laughs> to work. So They're yearning for a day. They love the content. Oh, 100%. Um, mate, uh, obviously the Sharks finished in six last year, unceremoniously bundled out uh, two years in a row. Uh, pretty similar looking team for this year. We haven't predicted to come eighth. Uh, I personally am of the belief that they are missing the top eight this year, which uh, has caused some controversy. Um, but yeah, I think you said that. Um, there, you said that someone like the Dolphins could finish higher than them. Was that right in the Dolphins pod? Yeah, I mean, like, so I, I actually have the Warriors and the Sharks being the two teams that drop out of the eight this year. Yeah, look, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen to the Warriors. We'll talk, we'll talk about them later. Um, yeah, but a lot of things did go like incredibly well for them last year. Us, yeah, us last I, year. So obviously, I don't want to get too far into the wires because we don't want to spoil the uh, the content. But um, yeah, I can't wait for for the Sharks. I just think they're just a bit stale. Is maybe the word and. You know, obviously they've they've got Adam coming next year, but this team is is identical again. They lose Wade Graham. They they, you know, they got rid of Matt Moylan. They're gonna you know get uh, Teague Wilton back from injury. They're gonna uh, you know bring Braden Trindle in, who obviously did a job last year. But I mean, this is the same team that's lost last year and lost the year before. It's the same team again, and I just think that the team at some point they're gonna. You know, the te- enough teams are going to be able to prepare for them that they're going to, um, you know, they're going to take advantage of them. Like, I have the Sharks below them and oh, – I'm sorry, I have the Cowboys below the Sharks. And I could see the Cowboys, you know, pushing them down to 11th. I mean, they got the Dolphins, the Bulldogs, and the Titans who are all possibles there. I mean, the Sharks could finish as low as 14th. Obviously, I don't think that they will uh, because the wheels will fall off at least one or two other teams. But, I mean, this is a team that the wheels could fall off on. And it wouldn't shock me to see them in the bottom four this year. Mm, that is interesting. I just think that they're too good against bad teams for that yes. to happen. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the the issue with the Sharks. Like, they got bundled mm. out of the playoffs because, you know, Nico, they are, they kind of have got all their eggs in the Nico basket. Um, and mm. Edinfield Black will help them quite a lot, I think. Um, because oh, all he's not playing boys, for them this year. No, no, I know. But all of their forwards are just quite similar. Um, they're yeah. just kind of battlers. They do a good job, but they're not like game breakers. Um, McInnes, yeah. you know, he got that tackle record last year, but you're not going to win a game by having the most amount of tackles in a game, you know? So no. it's, um, 
I think you're right. And it's, it's something that I think you've talked about. Uh, I don't know if it's in your, your game theory article about how settled a team is going into the, the, mm. the following year and what impact that has on their fantasy production, but also just their NRL production. Um, yeah. And there seems to be a bit of negative correlation if, if I'm, if I'm correct. Is that right? Yeah, so ba- the basic gist was uh, teams that made one or two big upgrades tended to, but all but kept a continuity. So continuity is okay as long as you're not, you know, letting other teams usurp you while you're staying the same is basically the gist of it. So, you know, you take, for example, like the teams that performed really, really well last year or like above expectation, right? Okay, so you got the Broncos. Warriors. Broncos, yeah. So, so just but just starting with the Broncos. So the Broncos mm-hmm. one through seventeen was almost identical twenty twenty two to twenty three, except for Reese Walsh. Reese Walsh. Reese Walsh one big upgraded a position in an otherwise unchanged team made all the difference there for the Broncos. And then you look at um, the Warriors. You know, it wasn't. It was a pretty similar looking team, except. I think you know, coach was a big upgrade there. Well, coach, but also Sean Johnson, uh, obviously big a big season. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the addition of Chance Nickel Clockstar. Mm. Yeah, he Just, was he was excellent. And and you know, but but you know, it wasn't. I mean, they added some really good pieces. I think the Warriors, but. You know, it was it was sort of the core of it was pretty similar, and it's just everybody had a really good year. But mm. you know, even the knights were similar. Like the knights weren't that different. You know, they had a Jackson Hastings. Well, they kind of clicked once Ponga moved back to to fullback, right? Um, and their halves got a bit more settled. Um, and they had just phenomenal outside backs as well. Um, yeah, they were all so good. Dom Young and um, Maju. Maju were just. Yeah. Phenomenal. So, but, that, um, but that's what I mean. Like those teams, like the core of them were pretty similar, but yeah, they just right. added like one, two, three, like up positional upgrades that caused them to just really sort of take a step forward. And I mean, so the prime candidates for that for me for this year would be, I think the Rabbitohs adding Jack Whiten. I think he is just an absolutely massive addition to that Rabbitohs team. Yeah, I think he's going to a revolving door, hasn't it? That like that like one outside back spot um, for the yeah. Rabbitohs that they've never I really th- been able to nail down. I think he's just really going to add some um, uh, like uh, guts and uh, but like the combination of the like high end attacking output with the just the gritty you know, sort of play that he has. Like, he's got a bit of mongrel about him. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, having someone like Lachlan Ilias, who's not like a massive game-breaking half, means that they can kind of afford to have another one in, mm. the, in the team. It's 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 kind of the opposite problem that the Roosters have, which is that they have too many ball players. Um, yeah. Rabbits have Latrell. They have Cody, who's who's good. But, yeah, just having Jack Whiten in there is just, oh. just another adult in the room is pretty nice. He's just str- such a strong ball runner, and Without he gives he gives you a kicking option if you need it. And you know he's just strong defensively. Like when he plays center in Origin, he just absolutely like you know he he does play well defensively in the centers. And I you know a couple of club games unretire this year from Origin. I don't think he will get the bug. <laughs> um, but then the obviously the other team that that has added one or two really good players in an otherwise sort of similar looking team is the Roosters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had Dom Young, uh, who and I think Spencer is a, Lenny, a right? big up, a, and Spencer Lenny, 
Well, they do, but I mean, Do- they Dom Young's a massive upgrade on Jackson Paulo or whoever they had. Absolutely, out they had the um the revolving door at that uh, at that mm. wing spot as well. Was it Jack- and, yeah Jackson Paulo Jackson? I mean, they had Suali out there for a period of time as well, and then the other one that they get is uh, Prime Angus Crichton back. But you know, once again, don't want to don't want to spoil the the Roosters yeah. podcast. But there was some nice news coming out. There was uh, some good news. Um, I just hope. I mean, we'll we'll talk about it a lot, but yeah, I just hope um, for him, for his sake that uh, he just has a more settled year and settled preseason. And mm-hmm. if he's a fantasy, if he's a fantasy option, then yeah, wheels up. But um, yeah, I think he's going to be the I think he's going to be the number two averaging edge this year. Yeah, it's absolutely in his range of outcomes. I love Angus Crichton, mm-hmm. so I hope yeah, I hope we get him back. I'll be so excited. But anyway, we're talking about the Sharkies. So the Sharkies um, have added nobody in in a specialist upgrade. I mean, Trindle. It, you could make an argument that Trindle is an upgrade on Moylan, but I mean, Trindle was there when they lost twice in the finals and got out, or lost in the finals and got out. So um, you know, so obviously we got. Uh, We've got Will Kennedy at fullback. Will Kennedy's been pretty underratedly good. I think he's, you know, been been a toiler. But, I mean, they've got a couple of guys in their system coming through that, I mean, a little bit of pressure on the Sharks, which doesn't come because they almost every single year have the easiest schedule of any club. I don't know how Uh, it keeps happening, eh? They just get so lucky. And, yeah, it's just it saved so many jobs, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, so they've got Cade Dykes who is just, um, you know, he's got some big raps, and and KL Eero, who we're going to talk about shortly. Those two guys, massive uh, massive raps. And also there's a guy called Samuel Stone Street there who uh, is pretty strong as well, although their wingers, Mulatalo and Katoa, sort of rusted on, and um, obviously Rainian's rusted on. The, the big sort of person, the two options for movement in this back line is Talakai and, uh, and Kennedy for mine. But I think they're going to open... You know, the, the more I think about it, the more I think they're going to open with an identical back line and, and we're not going to get Eero. Yeah, me too. I, for, for, for whatever reason, Kennedy was just nailed on all year, last year. Um, and he kind of, he ended up being like a pretty pretty solid um, fantasy option because he just had the spot down, you know? Mm. Um, and he, he just like, they had the soft jaw and, and he, he just kind of gets points it's not good to watch, but he just kind of gets points. So yeah. I think he's, I think he's a right. really, really good draft option because people don't rate him and he just falls no, down the right. board and you can p- plug him in and he's available every single week. That's, that is his draw card for me. Yeah. And I think I can't really see any reason why they would change that where they might change. You're right. As the Talakai, um, arrow, um, in the centers. Um, but yeah. again, Talakai, I mean, he was, he was pretty bad, but like, so were a lot of sharks in the last mm. few games. So I, I sort of felt that he, I was sure that he got replaced last year, but I was looking at the stats and it doesn't look like he actually did. So maybe I'm just imagining things. So look, uh, there was somewhere he like went to the bench late or, or came from the bench late. Is that, is mm, that, I'm not sure. Something? Yeah. It's, I, I feel like they threatened it because um, he was just yeah he was pretty diabolical. His defense was just so bad last year. So yeah, um, yeah. No, I agree. I'm like, I'm, look, I'm I'm praying for Eero. Praying for Eero. Oh, everyone is. I think he'll be there. Eero and Dykes be the first person in everyone's fantasy yeah. team if that happens. Yeah, um, I've lit a, lit a candle for him. Yeah, we all have. Yeah. Now, mate, I want to talk about the Sharks halves. Mm-hmm. So Braden Trindle obviously replaces Matt Moylan. 
He was obviously uh, a great option for us last year when Nico uh, had that early season calf injury and then obviously we traded him out and, you know, he went back to reserve grade or whatever and, and he comes in and there doesn't seem to be any value there, but it seems to me like the, you know, and I'm going to gonna bring it up. It seems to me like the biggest point of contention between the analysis between us and Talking League this preseason seems to be our read on Nico Hines. So... Can I make can I make my argument, and then can I see if I can get you to put on your pro Nico hat? Yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 Okay. So Nico uh, has eight career games with Trindle. Uh, he averages seventy two, which is kind of like exactly where he's priced. Uh, you know, he's breaking 72. He actually averaged 73 last year. Uh, but, you know, in all but one of those games, he kicked goals. Uh, in the last game that they played uh, of the regular season, Trindle actually kicked goals. And then in the finals, Trindle kicked goals until he missed. And then when they were about to get bundled out, Nico took it a shot and missed it. So my concern is that, you know, we look here at the the pattern of kick meters, which is was sort of, you know, Nico only two hundred ninety nine kick meters compared to two hundred and one uh, with Trindle. When you compare that to Moylan, um, so in games where Nico partners Moylan, uh, the split was four hundred to sixty seven. So you know, he's losing one hundred and ten kick meters a game there, which is you know, let's call it three and a half points a game. Off his off his average, so all things being equal, he's going to go from seventy three to call it seventy, which is yeah, you know, I mean it's it makes him the second best player in the game, except for the fact that he's the same price as the only player who's going to average more than him, who beat him last year had it not been for a game where he got sin binned. Now, the obviously there's you know conversations around uh, whether Heinz was playing injured towards the back of the year. Um, there's the argument that he's going to be available for, you know, making more attacking raids or whatever. But my sort of, you know, rebuff to that is, well, he, um, you know, the teams that he played against in those couple of games, uh, if you look at uh, the teams that he played against, and I'm just going to get it up so I make sure I get this right. Uh, Nico Hines, 2023. Um, you know, he played the Seagulls, the Titans, the Cowboys, and the Raiders in those last four games where he put up those big scores. Uh, and the one game that he didn't go ham was against the Panthers where he got a 34 because he had no base and no attack. So I guess my concern is if the base just comes down a little bit, uh, those bad scores go from, you know, 45 or, um, you know, let's take here the, um, the 37 against the Dolphins. Uh, if that is with Trindle, that 37 is a 34. You know, even the 64 becomes a 61. You know, it's just, you know, it just shaves off those kind of middling games. You still get the boom games, but, I mean, he didn't get a single 100-plus score last year, even taking 90% of the kick meters with Moylan and, you know, having all the attack run through him and, you know, having the softest draw in the comp. And then, you know, we, we come against Cleary, who just is an absolute weapon and is going to be looking to, to prove himself that he uh, doesn't need Lua to be successful as well. 
Yeah, it's all it's all very um, persuasive. I think I think I currently don't have Heinz, and I hadn't uh, caught wind of talking talking him up. But I think what their argument would be um, is just the really soft draw, um, which is Warriors, Bulldogs, Tigers, Canberra, relatively early by um, Rabbits, Cowboys. Canberra Dragons, like that's pretty good. Oh, mate, it's it's soft. It's soft games. as butter. It's soft um, as butter. 100%. And the the games that he played against those lower teams, we, we've talked about it already. They're really they're really flat track bullies, and Hines is particularly a flat track bully. Like he does supremely well against bad teams, um, because I I don't know I don't know why <laughs> maybe. And this is with even with Trindle last year, he he got a couple of ninety fives, didn't he? Um, against Cows and Raiders, um, who he's both playing in his first eight or so games. So I think there's definitely an argument to start with him, um, but notwithstanding all of the concerns you have about Trindle, I just, I, I, this is me putting back on my amateur's hat. I think there's potential for a little bit of erosion of his base, um, but it's going to be tough not owning him, I think, for that the first eight or so games. Um yeah, I think over the course of the season, you might be right, um, but but not having Hines at the start of the season oh. is, is going to be tough, mate. With two games against the Raiders in the opening seven weeks or something like that, it's going to be really tough watch uh, yeah. for the not for the non Hines owners. And I mean, the other point that they sort of making is basically to the effect of he's going to have more space because Trindle's doing more of the grunt work, and he's going to be able to use his running game more. And you know, he's not going to be bogged down doing the organizing. He can basically just play as a it's basically a six that still does half to 60% of the kicking. You know, if obviously if he's not kicking goals, he is a, you know, he's a mid sixties average. Yeah. Like I'm just not sure I buy that. Like look at the, the seven that's partnered Moylan um, and just like, look at their fantasy output. It's just, oh, Chad, Chad Townsend was a fantasy keeper when he was partnering Moylan. Yeah. And so was Sean was outrageously good with Moylan. I think, Trindle will be stealing points from yeah. Hines. It's just if they lift, you know, if they both score, like if the tide rises and they both lift um, mm. because they're just playing against some some rubbish teams. Um, yeah. That, that's probably the the argument to start with Hines. It's just yeah, FOMO I mean, probably, isn't it? If you look at, if you look at um, like Moses last year, he actually averaged more with Dylan Brown as what he did without Dylan Brown. Uh, which is surprising. Yeah, we talked about um, that a bit. I couldn't and, quite put my finger on why. Yeah, it, I well, I think it's. I think that is exactly the conversation. Is 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 it the fact that there's two attacking threat halves? Because you go from Jake Arthur, who's a fringe first grade, more than likely reserve grade player for his entire career, mm-hmm. uh, or whoever they get, Dejan Arce, whoever's running around in the halves. Does, I don't know who it was, but from him to an international level half. You you know there's an attacking threat on both sides of the field. You can't cheat defensively. You've got to balance the field. And Moses playing one on one against almost any player in the NRL. You know his combination of speed, kicking game, passing game. You know his his vision, ability to attack. He's gonna you know he's gonna slice him apart and and have an increase in attacking stats. So I mean the argument is is exactly that, which is the the potential of Hines to just explode out of the box from an attacking perspective. Uh, but, I mean, even just looking at his um, 2022 games where he played in a top four team, but he played 
Against bottom eight sides, his average was 74.1. And then against top eight sides, it was 60. So, I mean, the, he, there's 14 points there. So, I mean, that is that is a that is a statistical difference. But there's no tries in that top eight sample size at all in those eight mm. games. Uh, but, I mean, that that's part of it. Whereas, you know, he's playing against the bottom eight side. He's got a 40% try scoring rate and 14 more points per game. So, I mean, it is, it, it, you know, I mean, like if we're having a conversation, you know, you say, okay, Heinz is 18%, Nathan Cleary is 55%. You know, do you start with Heinz, throw the C on him, look for the high attacking upside and pray that Heinz doesn't play Origin and you've got, you know, one more trade up your sleeve? But I just think the, the the base of Cleary and the quality of the Panthers is going to, you know, it makes it such a risky strategy. So is is the is talking league off Cleary? No, no. So Brenton, who came seventh last year, and TK are both running both Cleary. Yeah, because that's a that's possibly an option with the amount of cheap people we have. It's just if they if they all disappear, um, it's going to be yeah. really difficult to run both of those guys. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think Heinz will play Origin. Do you? No, yeah. I'm, I really want to pick him up in round thirteen. I'm just thinking, like, the the, the question is this: he, he'll be on our team at some point. When is the best time to own him in terms of his? If we don't think he's going to play Origin, um, Ugh. is it well, not the start of the season? Well, I mean, you save a trade, you keep your second high, the second highest averaging player in your team the whole year. If you think he's going to average seventy. Yeah, because you know, their draw is. But just if he if he blue. doesn't kick goal, if he doesn't kick goals, then you know he's no good. But, but you know, I just right know now, like before the season starts, I, I was just sitting there with like I'm fiddling with like what my team might look like if we have to spend up on a center, right? Yeah, I've sort of I've fiddled around with it all preseason. So I had Fogarty and Cleary in my halves with uh, Hamaso at center, and you know if I move Hamaso to like Jesse Arthur's for argument's sake. Uh, I can afford Fogarty all the way up to Heinz. So that's where you go, something like that. Like, okay, you know, save myself a trade. I've got Heinz and I've got Cleary. So when Cleary's on the buy, I can whack the C on Heinz and know I've got a 70 average player there. So Because it's going to be impossible to get Heinz in round. Oh, when's the, when's the Penrith buy? Round four. Six. Six. It's just going to be really hard to get Heinz by then, you know, or get. Oh yeah, no. Well, you you don't. You could you in that week you're putting the the C on Robson or someone like Payne that. Haas. Payne Haas. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not because I'm not going to have him. But you know, if you got him, you do. But I yeah. wouldn't. So I'd be very surprised if you can squeeze Cleary, Heinz, and Haas into your team. Oh no, you can't. You can't. So so <laughs> I'm just thinking like if you if you don't have Heinz, um, mm. you, you've probably got our captain in mind for that round. So. Yeah. So maybe here's the, here's the here's, well I was just about to say here's the other side of that coin yep. is Mitchell Moses is 200k cheaper than Nico Hines last year in games with Dylan Brown Nick uh, Mitchell Moses averaged like 62 and a half and the Eels were shit. The Eels get better, they get less injuries, more continuity in the team, they become a top six team again this year, which, you know, I feel that they will, and I'm the biggest deals hater on the planet. Uh, 
they become a better team. There's more tries, there's more goals, there's more points. And, um, and you know, Moses is, yeah, let's say he does average 62, whereas Nico, he has, you know, three points eroded out of his average from last year, which takes him down to 70. And then, you know, he doesn't kick goals maybe. That takes him down to 65. You're paying 200K for three points. So, you know, I think the linchpin for that for that is like if you if we see the preseason that Trindle is kicking the goals, it's like an abort mission, like high alert avoidance for right. Hines. I think and, people will but the problem will be if we only find that out like in that week between the Vegas games, you know, and the and the non Vegas games. Yeah. Um, but I doubt it. I doubt it. I think we'll figure it out before then. Um, oh, in the trials, well, no, they'll be. Kicking, I also think the person will be kicking goals in the trials. That if um, Moses comes like knocking on the door, plays as well as he did last year, he might play Origin, right? Maybe. So, because I, I just don't know if it's if they're just going to roll out Cleary and Luai this year. I don't new coach, I new new coach, anything can happen. Yeah, new yeah, coach. So, he's got a, he's got I think a big Moses is more likely to play Origin than Hines. So, yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, I actually think a Cleary Hines starting combination could be really fun. It would be awesome. Yeah. But also, yeah. oh, you mean for fantasy or? No, no, for, for, um, for origin, they, they like, they, but you can't bring someone on with five minutes to go. Who's origin debuting when they're down by four points and ask. Oh, without a doubt. Amazing. I think, like, that's, I think that's, that's not fair to anyone. So dirty. Um, in yeah. origin, I think he's, he needs a genuine chance, but he almost won't get it without, with Cleary there. So. No, he, but Heinz is a perfect six. But Heinz might be six this year. Eh? I, I know it's, I know it's arbitrary, um, but. No, it's tricky not really. A, tricky is a tricky as a seven. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, so. it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. It's quite fun. Now, I, I actually have have not had Heinz in my team all, all year, or even thought about him really. But no, me um, either. It is interesting. It is a. It is. I can see both sides of the coin here, and I think yeah, you won't be upset if you start with him. I don't think. No. it's just a. It's a kind of season long looking back. Yeah, kind of argument, and it's no. It's hard I'll, to make I'll, those. I love owning Nico. I just don't like buying any player coming off their best ever season at their absolute peak. Like I just, I just find it really hard to do that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's um, yeah, it's tough. He, but he's one of the best players to have in your fantasy team, eh? Oh, hundred percent. He's fun to watch too, mm-hmm. and you know, gives you a reason to watch Sharks games, especially when they play uh, bottom eight teams. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, mate, Toby Rudolph, he's gotten serious. He's off the booze. He's lost weight, training the house down. Forty-two break even. Can we can we see a world where Toby Rudolph squeezes his minutes up a little bit? What are we doing here? I just think with um with McInnes on the bench, there's just not that many minutes going around, is there? No. It's um they're all kind of the same. They're just a clone. All these all these players. They're they're big and good impact forwards, but none of them play minutes you know, mm. enough minutes to really justify fantasy selections. So, yeah, I'm kind of just avoiding every single Sharks yeah. board. Um, except, I don't know, maybe maybe Wilton. We'll talk We'll talk about him. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, ha- if you have a look at Toby, in the four games where he played at least 50 minutes last year, uh, he averaged 50. T- Toby's excellent if he gets the minutes. I, I completely agree. He's, he's yeah. a great PPM he could guy. A, he could be a smoky. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But there's just so many yeah. players in that like five to six hundred bracket mm. that we're the thing. Be the thing at. is, yeah, the the thing is going to be that uh, you know, obviously, you know, you look at Ruben Cotter for argument's sake. Like, you know, there's a clear path for him, but we've also seen a fair bit of shithousery from um, Todd Payton. You know, messing with his minutes. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, 
if Toby can swap. Um, excuse me. Well, excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> I tried to mute that halfway through, and I think it's probably going to sound really funny. That's going to sound great on the record, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to edit it out either. Um, if if uh, if if Toby and uh, Dal Finucane swap minutes, we could see a world where you know Toby's playing fifty to fifty-five, and Finucane's playing forty to forty-five, uh, which you know, based on their age and all that sort of stuff, maybe is is the way to go. And and then you know, there's a, a conceivable world where Rudolph's a fringe keeper, and he's only priced at forty-two. So mm. uh, I mean, that's one to keep an eye on. Depending on the mids, uh, I'm kind of wavering on my faith of Ruben Cotter. I, I like. I really don't want to start with him, so I'm, I'm looking for an alternative in the same price point. And you know, depending on how how I feel in the preseason, maybe that might be the way I go. Yeah, it's tough around there because I think a lot of people have the like you know Totola, Curran kind of vibes. Um, yep. There's not a whole lot else. There's you know Lenu is really cheap as well, but mm. just that kind of five hundred to six hundred price range. If you if you want to run someone there, um, yeah. It's tough. It's tough going. So, yeah, someone to look out for. I tend to think Rudolph's best role is the kind of 40-ish minutes, 45 minutes maybe. Um, really good impact guy. Like, really great NRL player, Rudolph. But just, yeah, I'd, I'd like for him to make that leap, but I'm just not sure it's there with um, mm. the big minutes guys like Finucane and the, the, the leaders, if you will. Um, but, he did, you know, he, they're all a year he, older. He definitely took a, look, a leap PPM-wise if you look at the uh, – the last four seasons, games where he's played at least 50 minutes, uh, his base was sort of pretty similar, but the attack was way up. So he had an attack, you know, 6.2, 8.5, 5.3, and then 14.5. Uh, and there was no tries in that either. So it was all tackle busts and offloads, which... Yeah, I'm a big you know, fan. Yeah, maybe, maybe he's an interesting one. I'll, I'll put him in my, like, you know... Maybe basket. I, I always have one of these. I've had Junior Paula and Daniel Saifidi the last couple of years. So yeah, I, didn't, I didn't start with either of them, thank God. So, oh, yeah, um, he's dodged a bullet. Yeah. No, I'm like uh, I'm like Neo with the bad fantasy options like that. So I'll, I'll make a, I'll make other bad selections. Just be like <laughs> yeah. a 40 average middle forward. Um, uh, moving through the rest of the team, obviously, Nicara, really good last year. Uh, Teague Wilton comes back, fresh off the ACL, not somebody you want to be diving into at a 46 break, even given the number of edges available. Um, he's a draft selection only type dude. And then uh, Blake Braley, he's, you know, he's Blake Braley. He does break Braley things. He's not going to do anything different this year. Uh, Ken McInnes, obviously, big season last year off the uh, the injuries and, you know, he's going to be back to the bench, drop some money, and then at some point he'll be a keeper again when there's an injury. But, uh, yeah, that's that's probably it for the Sharkies. I, I can't believe we made the podcast go this long. Yeah, Hines is very interesting um, just as a value proposition. So um, that makes sense to talk about. Uh, and then it's just all hoping for hoping for Eero, right? Um, mm. Light a candle, hope that... Um, Hope that Talakai, you know, just yeah. sees the light and drops himself to the bench. Or maybe he does like a thing where he like does what Cam Akers did and like, you know, says he wants to hook up with uh, Craig Fitzgibbon's wife or something like that. Oh yeah, now you're talking. Yeah, maybe n- maybe not. Not yeah, nothing where he's like too upset or injured. Just you know, he's got personality clutch. For, for no, I wouldn't wish an head. injury on my worst enemy. You know, but. Just yeah. yeah, just a big like off season scandal. I could I could get behind. <laughs> yeah, but like something that's like not even that bad, but it gets blown out of proportion. That would that would do me nicely. So. Absolutely. Yeah, love it. 
All right. No worries, mate. Well, thank you for recording the uh, Sharks podcast with me. I know Ryan will be disappointed. His Sharks are his favourite team sometimes. Uh, yeah, but, I never uh, quite know. He's got a bit of a love-hate relationship with them, doesn't he? Yeah, I think the uh, I think the PED scandal knocked him around a little bit. There is a, in one of the podcasts, there's an all-time rant from Ryan about the Sharks. Yeah. And we'll yeah. track it down and find it at some... Yeah. I don't even know what podcast it would be in, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I wanted to get him going on it too, because yeah, like he's he, he's because he's a an ex uh, Washington football team Redskins whatever they're called now fan as well, and he just yeah, he's, what he are they now? To, Commanders, Commanders, yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, he tends to pick bad franchises, and I mean the Sharks are up there, you know, probably one of the top worst uh, franchises in terms of like just getting their fans happy enough. And then, you know, some sort of off-field scandal or... they just know, got so like, many villains, eh? Like Paul Gallen yeah. and Luke Lewis and... Thief. Yeah, it's it's too good. Yeah, and then this year is... You know, they're the too last couple now. Years, I don't care been, for it. Yeah, but, and, and also, but they've just got no... They've just got no guts to them. Like, no you know, soul. they're just... Yeah. They're, um, yeah, soft. Yeah. I, the only... I think... I, I think of all the teams in the NRL, the Sharks are the third, like team that i would least want to support as eels right no no i think eels are right there you know like but you know like i don't like specific players on the eels but if i was an eels fan i would love those players it's like only that, that i'm yeah it's only that i'm not an eels fan that i don't like them but if i was an eels fan i would love them whereas like the sharks is just like the, you, i can't imagine being emotionally attached to this sharks team at all it and would be hard like the, obviously the dragons would just be horrible and the tigers oh. would be horrible, but yeah. like, you know, I mean, having a, being a Raiders fan would give me a brain hemorrhage though as well. So yeah, it's I don't know. This, yeah, actually now thinking about, the, thinking the about the amount of stress that the shop, that the Cowboys put me under, I, um, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm talking out of school. No, that's right. You know, you, that's the joy of the NRL is every single team just brings you equal amounts of dread, even your own team. So, oh, uh, was well, except for the ever hopeful Was fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. But we're we're on such a high now. It just it'll yeah. be impossible to to, to follow. Oh, so. yeah, no, it's there's there's nothing but disappointment coming this year because last year was so amazing. Yeah, we we got all our all our chips in one basket, unfortunately. Yeah, it's yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty rough. But yeah, well, we'll see. Maybe I'll be wrong. All right, no worries, mate. Thank you for tuning in. Listeners, thank you, Rob, for providing only correct information tonight. And um, we'll, we'll talk to you next time where we are going to go through the uh, Newcastle Knights. Up the wires. This show was brought to you by good friends at Picklebet. You can support the show by changing your regular bookmaking provider to Picklebet and using the code AMATURES on your first deposit to let them know where we found you. Make sure to set a deposit limit because chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au.